When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, Vanessa, Casper, and Ariana. This is Gardner calling from Austin, Texas, about Casper's recent question about changing names. I really wanted to answer this one because last week was the seven-year anniversary of my name change. And I remember how scared I was before I made that decision. Scared that the name would feel fake or performative or just uncomfortable, like it wouldn't fit me right. Scared that I would choose wrong and that I would regret the decision to change my name. And so I was born a junior, um, but always went by Gardner, which was my middle name. And so I had this name that had a lot of baggage with it, actually. Um, You know, I'm not really close to the person I was named after. And I had the first name that I didn't use. And I had this junior thing that I didn't really connect with. And I just, so I had complications essentially from that. Like it creates complications when you sort of have two names legally and bureaucratically, right? Like up to and including difficulty getting my driver's license the first time because I had documentations that used different names. But more than that, even I didn't like that one of the most fundamental things about me, the first thing someone learns about me, usually my name was complicated and that sometimes I had to explain it. And I didn't like that at all. And so I went through the name change and I was so scared on the day of the court proceeding. I was just going to do it really simply, cut off my first name, give myself a new middle name with Gardner as my first name and get rid of the junior. And I was really scared. All those fears that I'd had really bubbled up. And then I left that courtroom so happy and I bought myself a cupcake and I didn't regret the decision and I didn't regret it seven days later. And I don't regret it seven years later. Thanks so much. I'm Casper Terkyle. And I'm Vanessa Zoltan. And this is The Real Question.
Thank you to those of you who recently signed up for our Patreon. We are so grateful. Rebecca P, Jennifer D, Leslie N, Chinhua L, Destiny D, Francia, and her mom, Susan. We are so grateful to you all. We love having you as part of our Patreon community. We hope you are enjoying our perks. And we're grateful to all of you who are listening. You're great. I can tell. (laughs) Well, a big thanks to Gardner for their voicemail. First of all, because Gardner is a freaking cool name. It's making me rethink all sorts of (laughs) name ideas that I've been having in my head. So big thanks to Gardner on that account. But they also mention something that really touches on my experience, which is that my middle name is one that I always have to find myself explaining. So my middle name is Reinout, which is a Dutch name. And I find myself saying every time, oh, yes, it's Reinout in Dutch, but in English, it becomes Reynold. And like my voice tone is <laughs> like that. It's like, well, my name is Reynold. And no offense to any Reynolds out there. Like I know a Reynold. It's a great name for you if you love it. But I, I just find myself feeling very uh, about it. Like I asked my parents recently why I got this middle name and they literally their answer was, uh. <laughs> there, was there was no reason for it. That wasn't even a, a hint of like, well, we liked it at the time. Like there's no family connection. There's no meaning to it. It's just these seven letters that sit between my first name, which I love, Casper, right? It's sayable. It's recognizable. It translates into multiple languages easily. I remind people either of ghosts or mattresses. You know, it works on many levels. And then my last name, which, you know, in Dutch is Terkola, which is fine. I've changed the way I say it in English because both the R and the O are very difficult for English speakers to pronounce. But this middle name is kind of this like unclaimed no man's land that even I don't identify with. And it just means nothing to me. And the reason I care about all this is because I guess I feel like, I don't know, it just doesn't make sense to me at this point in my life. Like, At this point, I want to be claiming the things that I really care about and letting go of the things that I don't connect with. So what's the question? Because it sounds like you know. It's like, yep, I'm going to change your name. Is the question, what part of my identity do I want to represent with this middle name? That's a really insightful question, Vanessa, because I do have a sense about what part of me I want it to speak to. And it actually really relates to my first text. So I I kind of want to dive right in and share that because the part of my life that I think I want to represent in some way, it's not about my family, right? My last name already has that connection. But the bit that I feel like I don't have a name for is more my spiritual life and this more like overt religious or spiritual identity that I have now because my work is like with you talking about text and making meaning. My work is thinking about the future of religion and ritual. And and I spend so much of my brain and heart and soul time engaged with spirituality and religion, but I don't really feel like I have anything in my name or identity that speaks to that. And the leadership role that I, I hope I can play. I totally understand that. My middle name is Miriam. And I love that it's a really Jewish sounding name. Neither my first name or my last name are Jewish. And it is important to me that my middle name has a Jewish root to it. And I was given it for Jewish reasons. And when my name is read by a rabbi, I'm called Miriam Bat Yoshua, you know, Miriam, daughter of Joshua. 
So I, I really feel that it is like a very important part of my identity. And mm. I, I want that for you. So that's beautiful. Okay. You, you told me about this text that you think speaks to this. What is your text? I'm really surprised it's taken me until, what are we, episode 20 something before I brought John O'Donohue. But here we are. I'm really surprised too. <laughs> John O'Donohue, you're Mamma Mia. A hundred percent. So for those of you who aren't familiar with John O'Donohue, he was an Irish poet and a priest, Catholic priest, who was just a wonderful, wonderful writer and speaker, especially. He was a, a very intellectual man. He wrote his PhD in German on Hegel and was ordained in Ireland as, as a Catholic priest, but a very critical voice of the Catholic Church. He has all of these fascinating essays in the 90s when he was a very young man and he always said the second best thing he ever did was to become a priest. And then the best thing he ever did was to leave the priesthood, uh, which he did later on in life. He fell in love with a woman, moved, I think, to France, but very sadly died very young in, in his 50s, very suddenly in 2008. And I went on a, on a bit of a pilgrimage myself to his grave before writing my divinity school thesis. And I learned wonderful stories about how he led these Easter dawn sunrise services at this, this ruined church. So, uh, you know, on Easter morning, as the sun was rising in this ruined church where you could see the sky from the foundations, he would lead these services. So he was, he was just in a wonderfully imaginative ritual maker. And really central to his gift, I think, was to try and re-enchant the world through the art of blessing. And so one of the books of his that I really love is a little book called To Bless the Space Between Us, which is filled with little blessings that he wrote for all sorts of occasions. You know, ones that you would expect, like the birth of a child or a marriage or, you know, the death of a loved one, but also just much more complicated, tricky situations like the end of a friendship or the suicide of a loved one. Like he got really up close, I think, to the reality of life. And he wrote these little essays about blessing. And I want to give you a quote from one of them. That's really my first text today. And he writes, if we approach our decisive thresholds with reverence and attention, the crossing will bring us more than we could ever have hoped for. And so he's looking at these threshold moments in life, right? When, when you move from one state to another and thinking about crossing that threshold as a source of blessings, as a source of, of gifts, and that we won't know what it can give us until we make that move, which kind of connects for me with Gardner's voicemail, right? That sense of like, I didn't know how good it would feel until I did it. And I feel like I have this invitation about this name change. And I maybe presented myself very confident at the top of the episode, but like, I definitely have doubts. I'm like, what if I choose a name that doesn't feel right? Or, you know, despite talking with my family, like, will I offend people by changing it? Or I don't know what what other things could go wrong. I don't even know yet. But I, I like this sense that it's not just, oh, I'm changing my name, but there's some sort of threshold here that there's an identity that I'm embracing or that there's something, something is different on the other side of this name change from where I am standing now. Yeah, and something that you can't even anticipate. Right, which is a little scary. Well, what I love about this quote and what you just said is that I feel like one of the things O'Donohue is saying is that even if you pick the quote unquote wrong name, the crossing will still bring you more than you ever could have hoped for. 
he's saying if you approach your decisive threshold, so if you make decisions Mm. with reverence and attention, it'll bring you more than you ever could have hoped for. Like, even if it's a bad decision, right? Like Mm. he says, the second best thing he ever did was become a priest, even though he undid it. I, Mm. I think that... He sounds like someone who's like, even our mistakes are blessings. Hmm. Hmm. The the thing that stands out to me is this like reverence word. Because one of the things that I've really hesitated about is that I feel like there's situations where choosing your own name is absolutely the right thing to do. You know, I think about trans friends who've chosen a name that felt like such an empowering moment and like claiming an identity. But Miriam was not a name you chose. It was a name you were given, right? And when you become a monk or a a nun in the Christian tradition, you are given a name. So your name might be, you know, Nancy Schmidt, but you become Sister Honorata or like Sister Mary or, you know, whatever it is. And so there is is not just an element here of like self-identifying. I think for me, what it's more like is like receiving a name, in some way. And it feels like that's what attracts me about this idea of like crossing this threshold with reverence and attention. Yeah. There's something which isn't just about my choice, but it's about receiving. So you have some like very deep and personal relationships with spiritual leaders in your life, right? Mm. Your, your friend Sue, who married you and Sean, Mm. um, Carrie Maloney and Stephanie Paltzell, right? And sister Sue, who I think you've talked about on this podcast before. I'm wondering how you feel about just like asking one of them being like, Mm. Hey, I love and admire your relationship with spirituality. And I want that in my life. Like, Will you bless me with a name? Is that something you've thought about? It's so funny as you ask that question, like the first part is yes. Like I I thought about like introducing on the email, like, you know, these figures, these people who are really important in my life and being like, so <laughs> I like a name and like you are the spiritual like elders in my life. Here's a doodle for you to find <laughs> But like the world does not need another Zoom call for them to like figure out my name. But the way you ask the question is different because I hadn't thought about just asking one of them. And I love that you mentioned Sister Sue, who is, gosh, at this point, maybe 87, 88. And it's just someone who I love so much because she's so honest and she's so humble. And she, I don't know, I think I, I can and continue to learn so much just from how she is in the world that I I would really trust her to do that. Gosh, I hadn't hadn't thought about that. Just asking one of them. Yeah, that's a great idea. And you could like go visit her, right? Like you could really yeah. do a ceremony, invite people to it, not invite people to it. I don't yeah. know. What if she gave you a name that you don't like? I mean, obviously that's what my brain is thinking. A hundred percent. Yeah. Would you give yourself permission to like reject the name? I mean, that's the that's the thing that I get scared about, right? Like is that sense of, you know, I love Sue and, and you know, I've shared a lot with her. But at the same time, she's not seeing my everyday life. She doesn't know the fullness of my experience. And how, I mean, can you imagine being asked to give someone a name? Like it's one thing if it's your kid because the kid can't say anything back yet. But like... If it's a full-blown adult who's like, I'm not a Mary, right? Like, I'm not a Charles. <laughs> I'm not a Sufyan. I, oh, God, I don't know. Ugh. 
Well, if you ask her, I feel like if she's not up to the task, she'll say no. That's true. Right? And she might want to talk to you for a few hours first. What do you hope to get out of it? That's true. But my question is a theological one of like, Mm. are you ready to like hand that over to someone else? It's funny. I'm suddenly remembering a moment that I saw. I was staying in a monastery, uh, an Episcopal monastery. This is four or five years ago. And I saw someone being inducted, not as a monk, but as like a member of the society of the kind of friends of the monks. So these are people who kind of make similar commitments in their life, but they still live out in the world. And it was this very small ceremony. I just happened to be a guest in the monastery and it was integrated into one of the, the, the moments of prayer. And it, it, there was something really beautiful about seeing it happen, I guess, because of the, the, the <laughs> surprise, surprise, the ritual around this moment of transition. And so I feel like there's a difference in just getting a letter or a phone call where it's like, your name is Richard. And a little bit more of like a ceremonial moment where it's like, this is why Casper is doing this. And we celebrate what that's about. We think it's good. And we bless him and his name is Henry. I guess then it's less about, yes, of course, it's still about the name, but it's more about what this name means. So it's it's less about like, oh, I don't like how Henry sounds, but it's like, well, Henry means, you know, he's one of the characters in Red, White and Royal Blue. And so it has all of this meaning. Does that make sense? Totally. One of the most meaningful things I've ever attended was Bridget, who was on our podcast, converted to Judaism. And I went to her conversion ceremony and she got to pick her Hebrew name and she picked the Hebrew name of a woman she loved. And then the rabbi told Mm. that story for her. And, and I was really surprised by how moved I was by the whole Mm. experience, but it was so deeply moving to witness somebody, you know, who crossed a decisive threshold with reverence and attention. Like it was Mm. deeply meaningful to me to watch it. That's such a great point, Vanessa, that the reverence and attention in the O'Donoghue quote is actually pointing us to ritualizing it. That's what rituals help us do. God, this is so embarrassing. Guy wrote the book, figures it out again. But like, um, (laughs) just- Well, you have to make a threshold, right? Yes. Yeah, it can't just be like, oh, I picked this name. Here is, you know, the email. No, it has to be embodied in a real threshold yeah. moment. So yeah. it's it sounds to me like what John O'Donohue is calling you to, right, is either handing this over to someone or not, right? Like, I think that Bridget chose, if I remember correctly, the Hebrew version of the name Pearl. And Pearl was a woman who she loved a lot. Um, mm. So, I, I mean, like, You can tell Sister Sue, I really love the name Michael because of St. Michael, right? Like I can imagine you saying this is actually the kind of thing that I want to live into, right? And this be a conversation and then have the ritual. I'm not, Mm. I'm wondering how much it being a surprise or a conversation (laughs) matters to you. Yeah. I am pretty sure that Sister Sue would not be like, I'm going to just think about this for a couple of weeks or months even, and then surprise you. That is just not the way it's done, I think. I I mean, even if you are becoming a nun, for example, and I should clarify, she she is a nun. You know, you live together for a number of years. So like there is much greater intimacy and, and knowledge and, you know, before someone is given a name. So I'm sure there would be 
a process of discernment, as they say, right? A, a kind of a mutual listening and sharing to find what the right thing is. So it feels like that is necessary. And it's it's helpful, actually, you reminding me of Bridget's story and, and people who do convert and, and choose a name. Because I'm now, look, you know, I'm looking at John O'Donoghue's name and the name John, I'm like, eh, it's, you know, Jim, John, it's not that interesting. But I'm like, if it's connected to someone whose life has inspired me or whose work calls something forth in me, then it's totally different. It's much less about the name and it's more about the memory or the example of that person. And the name just happens to remind you of them. I I guess I thought about that in an abstract of like, oh, maybe you want to be like St. Sebastian, right? Or or, or like St. Ignatius. But they're so far away in history, to me at least, that it feels much further away than someone like someone like John O'Donoghue. Yeah. Yeah. My brothers have the two most boring names in the world, David and Jonathan, but they're named after people in our family. They're named after my father's father, Deja David, and Jonathan is named after my dad's grandfather. And then also it was very important to my parents. All of our names are interconnected. Jonathan and David were friends in the Bible. David's middle name is Moses and my middle name is Miriam and their brother and sister in the Bible, right? So Hmm. all of these names were interconnected. And so even though they sort of sound like generic names, they have this other meaning also that to me, they've never sounded generic. And whenever anyone's like, John, what a boring name. I'm like, ah, ah, Jonathan is best friends with David, right? Like it's amazing how these names can take on these different connotations. Yeah, that's so true. So it sounds to me like we've come to some sort of conclusion that like, You want to ask somebody else and you want to create a little bit of ritual around it. But I feel like there's still some unknowns around how, who, what. Mm. So why Mm. don't we look at our, our second text and see what it teaches us. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection. Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.
So my second text is the 2018 movie Call Me By Your Name, based on the novel by Andre Asiman. And it's one of my favorite movies of all time. I mean, definitely top three, I think. We actually went to see it together two nights after I'd seen it the first time. I was like, I just want to go back. And two nights after I saw it with you, I took Peter. Uh, No way. Yeah. I love that cinema. Me too. So the movie centers around a young man called Elio, played by Timothy Chalamet. And we're somewhere in Northern Italy in this gorgeous kind of villa. His parents are, I think the father is an archaeologist, and they welcome in a student every summer to come and live with them and and work with them on this dig or on the sites of, of the research. And I mean, it's the 1980s. The colors are beautiful. Everything is delicious and delightful and stunning. And in we welcome Oliver, who is a a mid-twenties grad student who uh, is played by Army Hammer. Now, side note, pretty distressing revelations about him in the last year. I'm just going to leave it to the side. I hope you'll bear with me as we do that. But the relationship that blossoms between Elio and Oliver is really the, the, the center of the movie. It's a love story. And just after halfway through the movie, where we've kind of seen this kind of angsty, yearning desire from Elio for Oliver. And we later learned that Oliver felt the same way, but didn't feel like he could move on, you know, move forward with a relationship. There's this moment of realization and Elio finds a little note uh, on his desk that says, meet me at midnight. And they meet, they sleep together for the first time. It's Elio's first time um, having sex with a man. And they're, they're lying in each other's arms on this bed and their faces are looking at each other really close. And there's this really interesting naming ritual moment that happens when Oliver says, Call me by your name and I'll call you by mine. And then each one says to the other their own name. So Elio says to Oliver, mm-hmm. he's kind of naming him with his own name and Oliver does the same thing to him. And it's this incredibly intimate moment of belonging. And I love that, you know, at that point, they feel like they have to hide this love. And yet, because they're their own names, just in reversal, it's also out in the open. So there's this kind of protected, like, beautifully intimate something about these names. And at the very end of the movie, we we see this phone call, which is kind of, a, at least in the way the movie tells the story, the goodbye where Elio says his own name as he hears that Oliver is getting married to a woman. Elio, Elio, Elio. And Oliver replies, Oliver. So it's the secret language between these two. So I'm wondering if what you want for yourself is someone like Sean to name you or someone like Sister Sue to do it, but privately. I'm wondering Mm. what about this scene? You know, there are so many things that you love about it and that I love about it, but... I'm wondering what about the scene you would want to replicate in this question that you've brought us. Mm. I guess this is the bit that's really sad for me because I, I just can't bring myself to join a congregation, but like what it illustrates is that experience of like, we welcome you and you not welcome us, but like consent to being part of us. And just uh, maybe I'm just overly harsh on religious communities that are out there, but like, I just don't find my life or experiences or spiritual life represented in the kind of communities that are out there. And like, I've spent a lot of time looking for them. 
not necessarily locally, but kind of more, more broadly in, in my in my work. And so I guess the thing that feels sad about this is like, I don't know where I would go for a community of belonging on a spiritual level that I would feel this kind of intimacy with, of being like, that this is the kind of spiritual partnership that I want to be in. Does that make sense? Yeah. It sounds like you want to hand yourself over to mm. this name and you want to hand yourself over to something. And the question mm. that you're asking is, what do I trust enough to hand myself over to? Elio right. and Oliver trust each other completely. And yeah. you want that, but you're like, but there's nothing I trust enough. But maybe that's what it takes in order to have that kind of intimacy and experience of belonging that Elio and Oliver have in this moment. Does it? <laughs> like they're not a part of a big community. They're part of a relationship. And that's what I hear you always really finding great meaning in is your relationships. I mean, the other option is I know that you have a couple of groups of friends, right? Mm. And so I like that's another option, right? Of it being a small group, which is a small community. And I know that you very much believe in the power of small groups. But I to do. go back to the John O'Donohue, it's about intention, right? Mm. And so I think you have to set an intention and know that it won't be everything. It won't be a community and a spiritual name and intimate and private and public, <laughs> right? Like, Can we also be in an Italian villa right. and like look gorgeous? And yet also be in Holland, but also be in Brooklyn, <laughs> right? Like it's ah. not going to be all the things. Yeah. But if you approach it with decisiveness and reverence, it's going to be more than you ever could have hoped for. But you have to be mm. decisive. What I hear you saying is, it's not that I'm indecisive about the name. That's its own thing. I'm indecisive about what process, what threshold I want. Yeah. And I think you need to discern it and do it with intention, as O'Donohue would say. But it's not going to be all the things. No, that's really true. That's really true. One of the things that really struck me, I was rewatching the movie yesterday and I was like, oh, that's why this scene happens in this moment of the movie is that like they've just slept together for the first time. So like Elio has crossed a threshold, like he's done something for the first time and he's changed by it. And this name is recognizing the change. And so I'm wondering, is there an action or a commitment that I need to make or do that this name then recognizes, you know what I mean? Like that it's not just like, oh, you're floating through life and suddenly have a different name. But it's like, no, you transformed from a gas into a liquid. And so now you have a different name. Like something is different about you that we're recognizing with this name. Or, or maybe that has already happened. I don't know. But I think I need to think more about what that is. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is that I think in these conversations, there'll be an acknowledgement of something that's yeah. Maybe already happened. I mean, there also could be a commitment, but I don't know. I've known you for, I have no idea how many years now, almost a decade. And like, you've made a lot of changes and a lot of commitments. And I guess it's about which one of those you want to honor. But mm. like, you've committed yeah. yourself to textual study, which like, so maybe it's Guigo. <gasps> Guigo. Oh my God, that would be so cool. And you've committed yourself to a loving relationship with Sean. And so like, maybe, I don't know, it's 
arrows or right like yeah. i think that there are a lot of things that this name could celebrate yeah i really i really appreciate that yeah and it does it, I, it does feel like there's plenty of things in my life that i've made choices around already and that you know i think one of them is kind of just embracing more of this like spiritual part of my life and that that's what i want this name to speak to and so recognizing what that looks like practically you know what are the what are the behaviors and the commitments that have gone along with that that i've already either chosen or i want to choose and that it's it's really less about the name and it's much more about like what it embodies that that feels really right the stakes feel even higher at the end of this conversation. I'm I'm a little intimidated. I'm not going to lie. Why? What What are you intimidated by? I guess, can I have more than one name? Can I have like 17 names? Because <laughs> I think there's going to be so many names that would be good. And like choosing one or having someone else choose one. It can't do everything. I guess that's the other thing I'm really hearing in what you're saying. It's like not, nothing is going to be able to do it all or be it all or mean it all. And so having to be okay with the sufficiency of something, which is, again, better than the beige name I have right now. That doesn't mean anything to anyone. So, like, see the improvement, not the way in which whatever the the name will be is not perfect. You know what I mean? It's so interesting how central this is to you, how much time you're spending right now in your life grieving that you're not going to get to live all the lives and have all the names. <laughs> Yeah, it does seem to be a theme, doesn't it? These are not just ghost ships of lives, but ghost names. Oh my God, my name is Casper the Friendly Ghost. Wow, we are full circle. Well, Vanessa, thank you so much for this conversation. I feel like it's one of those conversations where it's not necessarily I've landed on like the answer, but I feel like the menu of answers or maybe more like the Lego pieces from which I can build an answer are in front of me and they are all matching in the color blue. And that feels really good. So I'd like to thank John O'Donoghue and Luca Guadinos, the director of Call Me By Your Name, for their help in this question today. And the maxim that I think really speaks to us is from Katie from Oxford in the UK. And Katie says, do not take criticism from those you wouldn't ask for advice. And I feel like that's great for who you want to name you like yes. don't ask someone to name you who you wouldn't trust in other things you know i love that you've been listening to the real question we can only make this show thanks to our incredible supporters on patreon so if you can please head over to patreon.com slash real question pod and give us a couple of bucks a month and you'll get all sorts of goodies if you love the show, you can also leave us a review or spread the word on social media. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Real Question Pod and on Twitter at The Real Q Pod. We are a Not Sorry production. Our executive producer is Ariana Nettleman and our music is by Nick Bowl. We are distributed by Acast. Thank you to Gardner for our voicemail this week, Julia Argy, Nikki Zoltan, Molly Baxter, Stephanie Paulsell, and all of our patrons. We'll talk to you next week. Just as a little sneaky small treat after you hear these credits, we've got a funny little voicemail from Tim and Megan about changing their names, which we thought you'd enjoy hearing. We love Tim and Megan. 
Hey, everybody. It's Tim and Megan. We're here to tell you a story about how we changed our name. So we got married in 2006 in the state of New Mexico, and we wanted to keep, we wanted to have the same last name and take Megan's last name as a new second middle name so that we could preserve the name and, and, and allow us to kind of share that last name, but without making a hyphenation that would cause longer term uh, changes that we'd have to make. So when you get married, you have to fill out a marriage certificate. And when you fill out a marriage certificate, you give them all your information and they go back in the back room and they type it up and they bring it back and they say, proofread this. So we're just going to tell you our names because we're not famous and nobody cares what our names are. So my given name, given surname is Shepston, which is very difficult for people to pronounce for some reason. My whole life, people got it wrong, and I could never understand why. It was always like Stepson or Shepton or something. And so we wanted to make sure that that was really spelled correctly. Tim's last name is... Overly, which is an adverb. <laughs> many people have written it many, many times. <laughs> and so we checked the names. Some of our, you know, middle names are hard to spell. So we checked those. We checked Shepston. Turns out nobody looked at the word overly. So we got married. Everybody at the wedding who needed to sign our certificate signed it. They all saw the mistake and didn't tell us. <laughs> and then later we realized that we are now... Mr. and, and Mrs. Mrs. Overy. Overy. <laughs> so. It's official. It's public record on file in the, with the state of New Mexico, and you can't change public record. And that's it. Uh, so There you go. Au revoir from Mr. and Mrs. Overy. <laughs> I love it. Congrats, Tim and Megan. That's awesome. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.